Welcome to Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast for and about women with chronic illness, autoimmune diseases and invisible disabilities. Here we share resources, accountability, knowledge and caring for each other in a way that brings hope to those who have felt a lack of value and worth due to the stigma and gaslighting around their illnesses. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. I'm Nancy, the founder and president of Invisible Warriors. One out of every two adult Americans lives with at least one chronic illness, often called invisible disabilities. The disability community is the largest minority in the world. Yet instead of feeling inclusive and wrapped in camaraderie, most of us feel alone, unvalued, and unworthy. We need doctors who understand us and colleagues and family members who believe us when we tell them something about our health. Just knowing the simple fact that we are not alone and still have much to offer can be life-changing. In this podcast, we share tips and strategies, knowledge and support. In other words, hope. For those who are looking for resources to help them maintain a thriving, successful life. Do you have a chronic illness? Well, here at Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, we have conversations that share the tools and mindsets others use to make their and our lives better. It is always good to know that there are others out there that have dealt with similar challenges. And our guest today is going to share with us her history and what she's learned along the way. Welcome, Anna Laura Brown. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, and and you have an amazing story to tell us, and one I hope I can take some information away from because I'm getting ready to have back surgery in a week, and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be. I, nobody ever likes to have surgery. It's one of those very non-fun things that you like to try and avoid whenever possible. And my best friend I just got a message from her she's a horseback rider and her horse catapulted her down an eight foot over ass um, a couple of days ago and she broke three ribs and a cervical vertebrae and she's now in a you know a thing for her neck she's not going to be able to to take it off for three months and if I can give her any tips on what she can do to have a little less pain that would be fantastic (laughs) oh yeah absolutely (laughs) one of the things that we most of us who deal with chronic and autoimmune know is that no matter what our individual disease or disability is it comes with a certain amount of pain. Yep. (laughs) And in the world of medicine these days, the doctors do not want to give us the pain medication because they think that we're going to be addicted. Or on the other end of it, all they want to do is give us pain medication. Mm -hmm. And if you're like me, I don't want it and I can't take it. I'm allergic to most pain medications. So I am left out there going, all right, what am I going to do when I have pain? And you have an answer for that, I hear. I do. I have a couple different answers. Well, actually, probably several answers for it. So well, let's just jump right in then and you start. So I feel like one of the things that needs to be addressed first is 
And I actually created an online course called Drug-Free Surgery Recovery that, you know, I can share with you. But one of the main things that I really want to stress to people is that if you're going to make this work, there has to be a mindset shift. You have to have the mindset in your head to begin with that it's not even an option for you to take those drugs. You're not going to do it. You're going to find other alternatives and you're going to go in there with the mindset that this just it's just not an option. And so one of the things that I feel like is really helpful is to learn a little bit about things like meditation, hypnosis, NLP, that kind of thing. I'm definitely not an expert in that field. I did interview a, hypno a hypnosis professional on my podcast about a month ago and learned quite a bit, even though I've actually even been her client, been in a couple of group programs already, that kind of thing. And the reality is that our subconscious mind, which is like it implies, the name of subconscious, can actually control our lives sometimes more than even our actual conscious mind. And it's just not something that we're aware of. And if our physical body and our regular mind is having pain, our subconscious mind can step in and say, no, it's okay. You know, I don't want to let pain rule and control my life. And so there are ways to do that through, you know, the power of your mind to control it and say, hey, look, I'm just not going to do it. And then along with that is, so when I went and had my knee surgery, I was fortunate enough that my doctor was pretty supportive of trying to have me not do the drugs. He did give the prescriptions to my mom, who was my escort, because he said, well, just in case. Well, my mom doesn't live with me, so I sent the prescriptions home with her, and they weren't at my house. So during those first three, four days, which was really the hardest part, you get past about day four after you've had a surgery, then you know the pain automatically starts to go down. It's not as big of a deal for most people. I didn't even have access to them. You know, they weren't in my house. It would have been a real pain, honestly, for me to go get them. And so, you know, going and getting the drugs would have been more of a pain than just saying, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to do what I need to do to fight through this and not have to take these. So, you know, it's like the old adage that if you don't want to eat the sugar or you don't want to eat the fast food, then don't have it in your house. If you're giving up smoking, then don't have cigarettes lying around. Makes They're sense. not there. You won't have access. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And, and interestingly, there's been several studies recently um, within the, the research medical community that talks about um, the, the brain, the mind, and how it is connected to chronic and autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. And it does work with the controlling and and uh, so you're right on in that you can get rid of it by doing some of these things that you were talking about well absolutely and it's the thing that people don't realize is and i didn't even realize to what extent it can even be done i actually was talking to a lady probably oh i guess it's been about two months ago now and she, her mother was like you, was super allergic to a lot of drugs, even the anesthesia for surgery, that kind of thing. And she had to have a hysterectomy. And she was able to get a professional hypnotist to work with the doctor's office in the hospital. And they were a little bit, you know, like, oh, all about this. But she was able to get the hypnotist to put her under hypnosis with her power of her subconscious mind for a couple of days. And she was able to do even do the surgery without the anesthesia. 
goodness. No, I did not do that extreme. I still had anesthesia and some drugs during the surgery, but you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot that can be done if, I mean, it's kind of the old adage as well, where there's a will, there's a way. If you're really determined that this is something you want to do, you can make it happen. Look at historically, look, look at during the old West times of, of, you know, the United States, they didn't have a lot of medicine, pain, no, they gave you a bullet to bite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They, a lot of times they didn't even have ibuprofen, Tylenol, you know, any of your OTC stuff. And I, I will say transparently the first 48 hours or so I did take like a little bit of ibuprofen. So it wasn't, you know, a hundred percent off the drugs because you call ibuprofen a drug. I just didn't fulfill any of the prescription drugs and took those along with, you know, some of my other holistic remedies, but you're right. They didn't have any of those things. What did they have? They had plants. So they had, you know, things like your essential oils, your plants, your herbs, your homeopathics, your, you know, ice, <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think about. Uh, I'm a Civil War fanatic. I absolutely am fascinated by everything that happened during the Civil War, and you know the hundreds and hundreds of men who had amputations done in these field hospitals oh, yeah. that didn't. You know, they just gave them a piece of cloth to bite down on and off their arm or their leg and a lot of them didn't make it but a lot of them did and you know so there is historically there there is a lesson here that says you don't have to have all of these medications oh absolutely and even if you look back to even like biblical times you know i don't want to get too religious on this necessarily but you go back and there are entire books that have been written all about you know like herbs and essential oils of the bible things like that all the different references throughout the bible to plants as medicine and plants being healing things and all that kind of stuff and that's unfortunately something that we lost over time with the evolution of modern medicine and i believe that a lot more of us are starting to wake up to that yeah as you know there's just there's just a lot that you can do for different kinds of pain that you know and these things have been around anciently for years and years and years it's just something that we kind of just lost track of you know yeah Yeah. and i i don't think the pharmaceutical industry is going to be real thrilled with this podcast if any of them hear it but it's it really a lot of it revolves around Look at commercials on television for all. Oh, gosh. Well, that's a whole nother issue in and of itself. But yeah, there's one that just drives me nuts. It's for Jardians, which is a diabetic medicine. I take it, but I'm watching this commercial and it's got this overweight woman on it who's singing and dancing and having the best day of her life because she takes this one little Jardian's pill in the morning and it's supposedly helping her to lose weight. It's helping her 
to, um, you know, get rid of her high A1Cs, bring down her sugar numbers, and she's just bouncing all over the place. And I'm going, well, gee, what is she doing that I'm not doing? <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, there's that. And then at the end of the commercial, here come all the disclaimers where they even tell you you can even get things like cancer and death and all kinds of other horrible things as a side effect of taking this drug. It's like, I just now go ask your doctor about taking this thing. It's like, uh, yeah, are you sure? I know it. It's, it, you get to the point of you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, no. you know, my sugars are high and I need to bring them down. And I've tried some of the, the more, um, non-medical, you know, types of, of treatments and they haven't worked for me, but the medical, the insulins. And what if my insulins alone is over $700 a month? You know, so if we can get away from taking all of these and it's because the doctors are pushed into giving them to us. Oh, yeah. Well, it's that. And the other statement I've heard, too, is that we deal with a healthcare system that doesn't care no much about our food and a food system that doesn't care no much about our health. Yep, that's so exactly. it's like, you know, <laughs> what do we do? You know? Yeah. And even for I, I've been I was going through this journey uh, a few weeks ago with an organization that, you know, was absolutely adamant that if I took this these herbal remedies and drank this tea every day that within two months I would be cured. And mm -hmm. the very beginning I'm going, eh, let me see if it does any good at all. I got so sick from it that I just was ready to go into the hospital because, it, and it supposedly was all natural herbs in these things. Yeah. So you've got to be careful of that too, but who do you listen to? You know, you don't want to take all the medications. You want to be healthy. What do you do? I think finding good doctors is part of it. And I, my, from my experience, chiropractors and acupuncturists can be some of the best because they receive a lot more training when it comes to things like nutrition and herbs and supplements and things like that. But yet they actually know quite a bit about science and traditional healthcare, about the human body, all that kind of stuff. They're not all created equal. Some of them can be, lean a little bit more towards being the quacky side. Not all of them have the same amount of education. And so you really have to find one that you jive with, that you feel like fits what you're looking for. But I know like even my chiropractor that I go to and I haven't really delved that much into like my autoimmune with her because I have a primary care doctor that actually has worked pretty well for me. But she knows quite a bit about autoimmune and even blood sugar and diabetes. And she can even order labs and help you read them. She can't actually take the labs or draw the blood or anything. She has to send them off to an actual lab to do that because she's not, you know, authorized to do that but she has some additional trainings and certifications on some of that kind of stuff and so those can be some of the better professionals to go with I think for some degree it is a little bit of experimentation and just knowing your own body as well Bingo. because That's the reality exactly. is that your body knows what's going to work for you it's just a matter of you may have to tune in and start listening and start paying more attention to is this good for me is this not good for me 
just because it's good for some people doesn't mean it's going to be good for everybody. And really, the other issue, too, is prevention. Mm -hmm. I mean, like going back to the whole diabetes thing, part of the reason we have an epidemic in this country is just look at all the people in line waiting at the soda shops and the Del Taco and the McDonald's and everything else. Yeah, I agree with that to an extent. That really does have a lot to do with certain diseases, diabetes, heart disease, lung conditions. But when you get, and the problem is, and where I tend to disagree with things is, is that is all the CDC and the American Medical Association talk about. Those are the, to them, those are the only chronic and autoimmune diseases that are out there. But there are over a hundred different diagnosed chronic and autoimmune diseases, let alone all of the ones that we haven't figured out yet. Yep. And if you've got something like I've got, which is complex regional pain syndrome, it has nothing to do with the way I lived my life, other than I fell into a hole and twisted my ankle. Well, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what started all of it. But nobody pays any attention to those. If you're looking for research on chronic illnesses, what you come up with is all you have to do is start eating properly and you're everybody's going to be cured. There's not going to be any more diabetes. There's not, you know, and and again, that is sending an incorrect message, I think. Oh, it is. No, it absolutely is because like I got diagnosed with my Hashimoto's. I've been gluten-free for five years already, was already, was a little overweight, but it wasn't excessive. I was already what most people would consider to be pretty healthy. I didn't eat out. I didn't drink soda. I haven't had soda probably pretty much hardly ever and had any in 15 years and I still have (laughs) major knee problems, even though I don't do soda. I've had cavities, even though I don't eat sugar. So you know, it's no, it's it's not a hundred percent of the solution, but I feel like with diabetes specifically, that's where I was headed with that. Yeah. Well, but, but yeah. there's there's also and I and again I agree, but then there's also genetics. My oh, of course. mother, my mother, my sister, you mm-hmm. know, they they all had diabetes. And I come along and here I've got it too. You know? Yeah. So but I but I think again, and going back to like the commercials on television, the medical profession, the pharmaceutical profession, wants you to buy into a specific scenario. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I frankly don't think there's anything wrong with eating a piece of cake once in a while, you know? No. Once in a while, it's fine, but they kind of imply, I feel like the pharmaceutical company kind of implies eat, drink, and be merry all day long, whatever you want, and here's a pill for your ill, and that will solve all your problems, and that's that's kind of the scenario that they buy into. That's exactly it. So, but if you don't really, especially if you're young, you know, if you don't really understand all of this, and you go, well, but they say, and I know for a fact, I had an aunt who had diabetes and she actually said that to me on more than one occasion. Well, I'm taking insulin so I can eat whatever I want to because the insulin's going to take care of it. Well, guess what? She died. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Well, and uh, my dad has had that mentality for a long time, too, as a diabetic and just kind of whatever and has now been on kidney dialysis for three and a half years. So there you go, you know. And my father, God love him, was one of the wildest people in the world you could ever imagine. He literally had to have a donut and a cup of coffee, and he had smoked three packs a day for years. He he did put them up and quit cold turkey, but for years, he had smoked three packs a day. He had at least one donut. He loved pie and cake. Give him his dessert before dinner any day, you know, and he would scoff it down. He was 95 years old and totally healthy. He had never taken a pain medication, not even a Tylenol for a headache. And one day he woke up and he was hallucinating and he was seeing birds flying around and, and you know, thought he'd been kidnapped by the FBI and everything. And he wound up with dementia. Yeah. But he was 95 and he was still driving at the age of 95. Well, he, he was incredible. He had never, but he had cancer five different times he had oh cancer yeah. but but he got rid of it he got well and when he died the only thing that was wrong with him was the dementia and on his death certificate because we wound up having to put him into a nursing home we fought it and fought it and fought it but yeah eventually we had to do it because we just couldn't take care of him sure. on his death certificate it said he refused to eat because they wouldn't let us bring him a daily donut. Well. And that's why he died when he did. Well. So, you know, tell me. <laughs> it's it's just so interesting to see. We all have. We had a, a program a week ago at our monthly lunch and learns on genetics in the body and how yeah. your genes play a role in your health as well. So. Well, it's pretty much what I've heard is that the genes basically determine what your predisposition to and then your lifestyle can pull that trigger. Yeah. Unfortunately, I did not get my dad's genes. Uh, <laughs> my mom's. Well, I got my dad's and unfortunately my dad is much sicker and had much more health issues. My mom is almost never sick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And so, you know, we it's a it's a toss of the coin at some level. So that means that we really do have to understand and have to work within our own bodies. Yeah. You know. Well, and one of the things I was blessed with, and this came, I think, from both parents, because it's not just me, but it's all my siblings too, is we have a very high tolerance level for pain. And that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. It can be a good thing because it was one of the things that enabled me to successfully do this surgery and not take is because I have a higher tolerance level for pain than a lot of people. It can be bad, though, because I also waited too long to fix my knees and, you know, sometimes will keep pushing when maybe I shouldn't because I have a high tolerance level for pain. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I walked around for who knows how long um, with a with a nail in the bottom of my foot that Ooh. I never felt. I got into bed one night and my husband said, give me the bottom of your foot. Let me see your foot. And there's this thumbtack <laughs> sticking out of it. Ouch. And, yeah. I, but 
I didn't even know. I actually had one of my doctors years ago write a paper that he presented at a medical conference on. He had never seen anyone with a pain tolerance as, as high as what I had. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. I was going to say that could help you with your upcoming surgery. But... I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but it's but you're right. I mean, we we don't. And even people who are in a lot of pain, I don't, I don't like going to the doctor. I'm not going to the doctor. They're just going to give me meds. They're going to this, they're going to that. So people don't take care of their bodies the way they should. Yep. And I do think that the pharmaceutical industry is in part to blame for that too, because there is this mentality of if I go to the doctor, all they're going to do is sell me on shots and pills. And if people don't want that, they're going to wait a lot longer to actually seek health care and yeah. to their own detriment. Yeah. Well, and I had just finished writing a a post on LinkedIn when our when our podcast started about the fact that 38 I mean, it's it's so interesting that all of this all falls in together and as a bottom line for everything all of these things uh, fit into the jigsaw puzzle of why we don't go to doctors and what happens when we do go to doctors this post that i had just written in in linkedin uh, talks about a book i had just read that says 38 percent of all billing for medical procedures of any kind within the united states are erroneous Ooh, ouch. That's even worse than I thought. I mean, I knew it was bad. But... 38%. And the, the video that I was sharing about the book was talking about how the, the medical industry are all bullies. And they are. I mean, if you don't, within two days of getting out of the hospital, you get a bill for anything the insurance isn't covering, you know? And then they start calling you and harassing you and we want our money. And I mean, I went for a pre-op yesterday and I mine is an auto accident, so it's being covered by auto insurance. But mm -hmm. Alabama does not recognize third-party insurers. And so you basically have to stand on your head and balance on your nose in order to get them to even try to figure out how the insurance is going to cover this. My insurance is saying, yes, you're covered 100%. You don't have to pay a thing. The medical people are saying, but we can't bill them. <laughs> so, you know, so you have to fight and scream over that. But I was in right after my accident, I was in the hospital for nine days. And when I finally got home, I had a $500,000 bill waiting for me. Ooh, lovely. <laughs> yes. And I was smart enough to know I needed to ask for an itemized bill to mm -hmm. see everything that they were charging me for. And there was this. I was in there for nine days in that itemized bill. It showed a doctor came in for 15 minutes twice a day to check on me, whatever. I never saw a doctor. I never, not in the nine days that I was there, did any doctor come in to see me. The oh, only wow. people I saw were nurses mm -hmm. or, you know, the blood technicians and the yeah. food that not one doctor ever came in to see me, but they were charging me like $150 
an hour or whatever, you know, for two 15 minute appointments every single day for nine days. And I, I fought it and I said, who is this person? Are they a ghost? Are you, you know, are you billing for <laughs> ghost doctors? Yeah. And they took it off because they could not prove that that person had actually ever been in to see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's another reason we don't go to the doctors is because we don't want these huge outrageous bills that the insurance oh, yeah. is cover. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, I just, and that's a pain all in itself. <laughs> well, that is, that's a whole topic for several other podcasts, probably. Yeah, it's a totally different kind of pain. So um, I see that our half hour has gone fast. Boy, um, is there anything else that you would like to discuss before we say goodbye? <laughs> You know, I would say like, yeah, you can link to some more information about me if people want to get in touch, if they want to even have a consult, talk about what, you know, their situation is with their surgery, if they know oh, they want to do a drug-free surgery and they want to get some help. But I would say a couple of things for people to keep in mind that are super powerful. Ice is a big one. I think we don't realize the real power of ice reducing swelling and pain and also heat but more specifically infrared heat so there's a lot of different options out there with infrared light infrared sauna infrared wraps all that kind of stuff and then some of your old school stuff like lavender frankincense clove arnica you know just lots and lots of different options that you have out there and your diet you know, the one of the first things that people do a lot of times when they have surgery, and this is especially true if it's any kind of like dental surgery with your mouth or your throat or your nose, is just start stuffing your face with all kinds of sugar. You I like you that one. <laughs> ice cream and smoothies and all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't help your pain or your healing. You know, so I really tell people the other thing too, secret to doing this is to really think about what your diet's going to be during those next few days and realize you want to focus on healing foods and foods that will help lower that pain, anti-inflammatory foods, that kind of thing, not food that's full of sugar and going to make your pain worse. So. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, this has been really a great information filled conversation. Thank you so much. Um, Everybody, you have been listening to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. And if you haven't already, please give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And to wrap things up, often after a podcast, people want to know more about some of the things that we do at Invisible Lawyers. If you'd like to hop on a Zoom, my contact info will be in the show notes, along with Anna Laura's information. And thanks again for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. See y'all next week. Same time, same place. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Today's podcast has been brought to you by the Invisible Warriors Club, a program of Invisible Warriors. They see how hard life is for these women and hate that the world doesn't seem to understand that these diseases slash disabilities are serious, life-changing challenges which bring about poor medical treatment, high and unrealistic medical bills, lack of ability to sustain working conditions and loss of family cohesiveness. Through advocacy and programs, this organization extends a nurturing hand 
fostering both awareness in the community and individual growth amidst adversities. Join them by heading over to the Invisible Warriors website for more information on how to join the club.